the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. This fall is an incredible time to be a sports fan. This week is an incredible time to be a sports fan. There's so much on, and there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, personalize your favorite teams and leagues and get an ad-free feed of content you simply cannot find anywhere else. I use it every morning. Visit theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first year today. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Wednesday. Happy post-debate Wednesday. This is the only thing I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Uh, The winner of the best post-debate tweet goes to Jason Gay, who said, I don't ever want to hear anybody complain about Thursday night football ever again. That's a winner. That's a walk-off. That's a mic drop, whatever you want to call it. That's a winner. Okay, let's talk some sports. We're going to bring in Scott Allen in just a moment and kind of bounce around a little bit. Scott's got some great stuff today, including a preview of tonight's NBA Finals. We'll talk a little bit about the baseball postseason and make our picks, which teams might have a chance, which teams historically may not have a chance. I want to start today with an article I wrote, which is rare and rarer these days, more infrequent than ever. But I'm, I promised I was going to put out a MLB projection extension candidate piece. I've done it. I've got about 25 names here, maybe more. Um, I kind of went through every team and assessed who's probably in line for some sort of extension before the free agency season hits, which is really just around the corner here. You know, we've got some, the big names, of course, the, the free agents to be Trevor Bauer, George Springer, Corey Seager, those kind of players. And then a couple of, couple of, you know, big, big names who may have a couple of years of team control left or even a couple of veteran years left in Freddie Freeman, who I think probably should get locked up a little bit more long term here. You know, the Michael Conforto's on the Mets, Aaron Judge on the Yankees, players like that who I just uh, I think it's time. And I've even got Juan Soto on this list, even though he's 21 years old. We've seen it. It's become a thing now, these pre-arbitration contracts. Um, you know, Washington can probably get a steal with this kid. This is the best hitter in baseball, not named Mike Trout. So I, I ran a bunch of numbers on him just to project his value. And Mike Trout's name kept coming up. And that very rarely happens. I'm very, it's very rare that I can use Mike Trout in evaluations with other players because of how far ahead of the game he generally is. But that's the kind of back-to-back years that Juan Soto has had with Washington. So it's time to start considering that as well. He certainly made the list. So take a look at that. It's at SpotTrack.com. It's on the app as well. Uh, you know, if I miss somebody, hit me up at SpotTrack. I'm happy to evaluate players that I th- that uh, are worthy at this point. And I'm doing that with the NFL as well. We, you know, uh, we've, we run the stats and some analytics every single Tuesday morning to kind of update the previous week of NFL games. And we've, we run a best value formula that basically says, all right, who is outplaying their money right now? And as you might imagine, <laughs> you know, rookies kind of kind of win the day on the overall rankings because of how low they're paid, of course. So when it talks quarterbacks and rookie contracts, the one that sits atop the list right now is Josh Allen. So you can put him in the MVP conversation. You can talk about, you know, are the bills for real at 3-0? But it's, uh, it's real in terms of production. Josh Allen is throwing for 300 yards. He's running for, you know, 50 to 75. He is scoring four or five touchdowns a game right now. The numbers are kind of eye-popping. And the, you know, couple fumbles and absolutely zero interceptions help. Everything looks good. The ratings are great. He is far and away the, the best value quarterback in football right now. So everything is subject to change on a weekly basis, of course. 
but I'm looking down the, the list right now. We've got Calvin Ridley stands out for wide receivers. Jonu Smith, Ryan Tannehill's new tight end in Tennessee. And of course, Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle. We've talked about a bunch. He's going to get paid. Ronnie Stanley is going to be the highest paid offensive lineman in the history of football. I, I believe at least when the Ravens get that deal done and that's got to be approaching, you know, go time because <laughs> Lamar Jackson needs to stay on his feet after the, the, uh, defacing he just took from that Kansas city chiefs defense. So I imagine that's a contract we'll see soon. And of course we talked about it last week, Josh Allen after 2020, the bills are gonna have to start to make that decision. So take a look at, uh, at the best values. Like I said, we update that as much as possible. We always do that on, uh, on a team basis as well. So we've got, best value teams based on record, based on uh, analytical grading of all the players, and of course, how much money they make as well. So, you know, the Packers and Steelers sit atop that list. So if if you're a superstitious person and you think that value counts, those those would be your Super Bowl teams. The the Seahawks right behind them, number three. So a couple of big, big teams right there sitting atop our best value list with, you know, a couple of quarterbacks who got paid a few years ago now and are probably outplaying those numbers already based on where Mahomes and Watson sit. So really interesting to do that on a weekly basis. I try to do all the depth charts every Friday, Saturday, Saturday morning based on injuries and things like that. We're trying to track as much as possible. That's for darn sure. And on that note, I want to kind of spin around the site because we've been expanding, of course. Our WNBA coverage is trying to expand as much as possible. The data is thin at this point, but we're, uh, we're, we're, we're trying We've expanded our soccer coverage. Uh, you now, if, you've, if you're looking at the desktop version of SpotTrack, you can see there's a big soccer menu item on the main navigation where we're tracking the English Premier League, the MLS, and NWSL now with the Women, Women's American League. And our racing option is now available. NASCAR going way back and Formula One racing, and we're going to keep on that as well. That's been a lot of fun, I know, for Scott to dive into the historical figures for auto racing as a whole. And more to come. We're going to keep at it. There's uh, no shortage of sports, that's for darn sure. And we're trying to do our best to, to lock in as accurate and as deep as amount of information as possible. So any questions, any thoughts, any recommendations, suggestions, please hit me up at SpotTrack or through the website as well. Today's episode is also sponsored by Hit Parade. Get yourself a mystery memorabilia box. Anybody who's done a hit in terms of memorabilia or trading cards. You know exactly what we're talking about here. You can get Michael Jordan rookie cards, Tom Brady signed helmets, autographed pictures, autographed cards. There's just so much out there that that these companies can provide. And Hit Parade is the premier authentic autographed sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the country. Get your box today at Hit Parade's exclusive online provider, dacardworld.com. That's dacardworld.com. No one has more hits than Hit Parade. Joined on the Hit Parade Hotline by Scott Allen. Scott, welcome back to the show. If you are a sports fan like Scott and I are, a multi-sports fan, and you have some time off from work, even if you're working from home this week, I would highly recommend taking some some PTO because there are about 77 sporting events today, yesterday, and tomorrow to get to. Scott, what are you watching right now? Uh, I have baseball on on my iPad while we're doing this. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the way it's going to be now. I think for the next two it weeks is. or so, it's going to go wall to wall. We've of course got the NBA Finals tonight to start. We're going to touch on that. We're going to touch on as much of these sports as possible today. It's going to be kind of a grab bag with some neat fun facts, some, a little betting, obviously some contract information here. I'm going to do the unthinkable though. <laughs> I'm going to start with hockey. 
um, and throw you out for a loop here. Give, I'm going to put you on the spot, Scott. The New York Rangers bought out Henrik Lundqvist today. Longtime goaltender, I would mm-hmm. imagine, first ballot Hall of Fame goaltender. They bought out his final con- his final year of his of his long term deal, so they're going to save about three million on their cap this year to do that, which is probably pretty important for them. That's a contending team uh, who are looking to get better right now via the trade. So that's probably there's probably a reason they're doing what they're doing here, not just to save some cash, but Henrik Lundqvist <clears throat> career earnings. Ooh. Um, I'll, I'll preface that a little bit more for you. He is the number one earning goalie of, uh, in NHL history. Okay. And he is the 10th highest earning NHL player in history. Mm. I know NHL salaries are usually lower, yep. so their career earnings aren't going to be as high. Mm. I'll go with, well, how many seasons has he played? Oh, I can't be asked these questions right now. i believe it's 15 i believe that's right so all right let's go with um 85 85 million he as of last season he eclipsed the 100 million dollar mark he's got three million more cash to make he's going to make about 103 and change from his 15 seasons with the rangers he's 38 i don't know if he's done I mean, maybe he's a backup somewhere. Maybe he can find himself on a minimum contract or something like that to back up maybe in the middle of the season when somebody's making a a playoff run. We've seen that happen quite a bit now for some goalie depth. So there's probably a good chance of that. But yeah, 100 million plus, 103 million after this buyout, 10th all time in NHL history. So not a bad little little gig there. Not Not at all. He was outstanding. His personality really, really, really fit well with New York. This is, uh, you know, a, a, a tough goodbye, I'm sure, for that franchise because this has been their their leader now. But it's time. He was he, he fell off the past couple of seasons, so you couldn't keep him on at an eight and a half million dollar cap hit when you can buy him out with a year left here. So a little bit of hockey talk, a little bit of hockey money talk. There's actually quite a bit to talk about in that league, and we're going to find some time to get to it. But these other sports are just dominating too much now. So we got to we got to turn off the hockey hockey siren here and break away back to what do you, you want to go NBA here? Let's start with the NBA finals tonight. First yeah. game. Yeah. Lake, yeah. Let's go there. Lakers heat. I will. I will start with this. I threw a, t- a tweet out this morning because it kind of dawned on me what, what, what's happening. And, and honestly, this show is going to kind of corral this conversation. The state of Florida is in for a pretty good little month here. Uh, we already had t- the Tampa Bay Lightning win win the uh, Stanley Cup. The yeah. Tampa Bay Rays are the one seed in the American League. The Miami Heat start the NBA championship tonight, and Tampa Bay's got a pretty good little team there in terms of the NFL that are now 2-1 and one and have a decent chance to at least get themselves into the postseason with Tom Brady at the helm. So that could be quite a little big four sports season for the state of Florida after all that they've gone through in recent months here. Let's talk Miami. Let's stay in Florida. What do you know about this Miami Heat team? You kind of picked them early on here, so this has been your baby. I know they're, they're violent. They are a mixed bag of age versus youth versus really just, I mean, raw rookies. I mean, some of these kids, they're so darn fun to watch because we know absolutely nothing about them and they play hard. What's your take on the heat? Give us some finance, financial information if you have it. And, uh, you know, of course, do they have a chance against these Lakers? Uh, Yeah, I I think they do have a chance, to be honest. And you're right. It is essentially youth versus more veterans on the Lakers. 
Um, I did a side-by-side comparison here. The average age for Miami is uh, Mm 26.9, and the Lakers are almost at 29 for the average age. We should Um, preface that Udonis Haslam's 39 age really kind of (laughs) skews that. Um, It does. But I, I actually think it's still a really valid point, Scott, because the age that they have, they acquired. They went and they decided that, yes, we've got a good team here in the middle of the season. And they went out and got Andre Gurdala and put a couple of, of 30, 30 plus players around this young team to basically say, hey, these kids probably can't get to the finish line on their own. They need some experience. They need some grit. And, uh, and, and that comes with generally a player who's 30 plus. So this is a manufactured older team now. Oh. It is in preface of being here. This is why they're here right now. So and we've talked about this before and it's worth having another discussion because you're right when it gets to this time of year. Well, June generally, but, you know, here we are in September, October for the finals. When it's this time of the basketball season, age matters. It just does. It does. And to if you really look at the Miami Heat as a whole, they have brought in players like they traded for Solomon Hill. They, they brought in Jay Crowder. But five of the players that are on the, the roster right now were undrafted free agents. And on top of that, wow. the, the highest draft pick that they have is the ninth pick in a, in a draft. And that's Andre Iguodala who they acquired in, in the off season as it was anyway. So they have, they don't have Where was Jimmy? very high. Jimmy 10th. J- Jimmy was 30th. Get the heck out of here. Oh yeah. God. He was 30th. We'll talk about him more in a second. Go ahead. Yeah. So to compare that with the Lakers, the Lakers currently have three number one overall picks on their roster between James Davis and then Dwight Howard. But then they have the second overall pick with Rajon Rondo. They have Deion Waiters, who was a fourth round pick. So they have a lot of players on their uh, on their team that were projected or drafted high in their respective draft classes, whereas the Miami Heat, most of their players are in the teens some in the 20s, 30s, and then undrafted free agents. Well, you know, you can talk about the draft pick positions until you're blue in the face, and, and it matters in a lot of cases. But the way I see it, Scott, is these are two very differently built teams. Miami, Miami basically built within and then decided it's time to go get a player like Jimmy Butler to fill in the blanks with these homegrown kids. And, and oh, by the way, you know, that's kind of been their mantra for a long time now outside of that LeBron era. But, you know the Lakers are completely opposite. The Lakers went out and acquired number one overall picks and built this team and literally traded their homegrown talent to acquire Anthony Davis last year. in in what was just a nuts off season for, you know, everyone really ourselves included with all the math that was involved in that, but two completely different teams, one that kind of did it traditionally and uh, built from the ground up then acquired a free agent to, to kind of round it out. And the Lakers who did Lakers and Yankees kind of things and right went swinging in free agency and went, went swinging at trade deadlines to build to build this roster that is now, uh, I'm not sure if they're touchable. I really don't know if this team can be beat, but we're, uh, we're here to watch it. That's for darn sure. What else do we know about the Heat, Scott? Well, we know that their team after this season could be quite different. A lot of their players are either restricted free agents or uh, for, 
undre- or unrestricted free agents. They have a couple player options. And um, so it, it, it could look different, but again, they may even be able the starters to or generally speaking, are their top five in, in pretty well, good shape. Uh, Dragic is an un, um, unrestricted free agent and Solomon Hill. He's an un, unrestricted free agent. Myers Leonard's Jay Crowder. Wow. Those guys are unrestricted. Um, you have guys uh, like Kelly Olnick. He is a, he has a player option for 2020. And then a, a bunch of the guys down lower are restricted free agents out, uh, in a, in a couple years. But th- there's a few guys here that could be back if they re-signed with Miami, but they could also be on other teams. So um, the core that we're seeing, Jimmy Butler, he doesn't have a player option until 2022. Tyler Hero, he's a restricted free agent in 2023. Bam Adebayo, he's a restricted free agent in 2021, but he'll be eligible for the uh, extension if Miami wants to do that this off season. So th- th- they could keep their core if they wanted well, to. Let's talk about it, Scott. L- l- what kind of a, of a team is this? Is this a team that maybe overachieved to get here and you expect them to sort of break off those pieces and maybe step back a little bit next year, maybe similar to what Toronto had to do when Kawhi left. Uh, you know, we'll see if they continue that, that back try with this off season with Van Fleet up. But, or are they com- the complete opposite? Do you think that they're going to go all in, probably push themselves over the tax threshold to keep many of these players and, you know, try to contend in this Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero window, which you just mentioned is about three years out still? I, I think they're here to contend, but I think some of the pieces that are on the team now, they. They could facilitate that sign and trade we've been talking about to go somewhere else and get another asset back. Or um, I I think their window is right now with Jimmy Butler. So they're going to go all in and they've they've drafted really well. I mean, they've got at a bio. They picked him up at the 13th. Tyler Hero was the 13th pick. Hmm. Uh, So they they've they've drafted well with those young kids and then they've they've brought in those undrafted free agents and, and they've helped with some of the the time. I mean, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, those are guys that have stepped up yeah, all season minutes. and have played big minutes in the stretch. So it, it, it's a kind of, it's a mix of bringing in players, but their player development is so good right now that if you're a player that goes undrafted or a late draft pick, you'd sort of probably want to be drafted by Miami because whatever they're doing in house, it's working. Yeah, no question. Like, uh, I mean, I, we we've seen the the stories with Tyler Hero and how he wasn't really known, and then he played in Kentucky, wasn't really known, and now all of a sudden he's shooting lights out. And I think we've talked about him at the beginning of the season. And I sort of said he was a guy to keep an eye on, and and he's really showing that he can shoot the three and, and they're going to continue down that path. And, and like I said, that player huh. development Miami heat is just, is, you mentioned Kentucky. Now. And I think if this postseason yeah. has taught us anything, <laughs> we, we need to take John Calipari as serious as ever mm-hmm. because he has kids littered all over this playoff picture, making huge yes, impacts on teams. So there's no question that trickle down is still exist. Um, boy, let's talk Butler because uh, you know, one of the things I just love about this whole situation is that, He's this Marquette kid who's bounced around the league and he, he lands on a team that 
my God, is best known for a Marquette kit, right? I mean, that's Dwayne Wade's legacy. The old number yep. three that's been retired there and certainly in Miami as well. You know, it's big shoes to fill. Jimmy Butler's not Dwayne Wade, but he's a heck of a player. And it seems like he was the perfect last ingredient to, to add into this team. And oh, by the way, vice versa, too. And I know you want to talk about how he's bounced around and he's been a bit, bit of a pill to some of these teams and forced his way out in, in, in this player empowerment kind of era. But this is exactly what he needed, isn't it? To be kind of the the, oh, father, the yeah. father figure slash major player, but also not shine too bright in the lights because that's that's bit him in the butt before too. You know, when he's gotten too much stardom, it's, it's not that he couldn't handle it. I think he's a thick-skinned kid, but it just didn't play well with his type of, of style. So he had to sort of background, you know, somebody else had to be able to be there as a, as a beta elite athlete. And you know who that is? That's Tyler hero. I mean, and it might not be for all for a while. I mean, Tyler hero might come back next year and be awful because we've seen this before. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking of Pete Alonzo in baseball where mm-hmm. you just okay. have this crazy year that everybody's talking about you and you just have to be humble because you, you didn't even expect it yourself. And then you come back next year, you got a little bit more attitude, a little bit, a little bit cockier maybe. And who knows if that can sustain, but this humble Tyler hero is the perfect recipe for Jimmy Butler because it takes minutes away from Butler. It, it keeps him healthy. It allows him to be an alpha when he needs to be, but it also contains him to some degree. I, so the situation is obviously perfect for him, but you know, talk about how he's bounced around before. Yeah. I mean, he was in Chicago, then he went to Minnesota, then Philly and, and now in Miami. And I mean, Everywhere he's been before, you know, there's always been the Jimmy Butler. He's a headache, uh, the, you know, not getting along with the coaches, some of the players. Yeah. He rubbed players the wrong way. But maybe maybe it's he just needed to find the right organization that fit his style. And Miami, in this case, is that kind of style. They're uh, a gritty, you know, it, put your, your feet down and run through a wall for your players. And and that's what Miami seems to do. And maybe those other franchises, Chicago, Minnesota, and Philadelphia, they just weren't at that level yet. They weren't ready for that work ethic or uh, the players that they had surrounded him with. I mean, obviously he was traded to Minnesota, so there were players already there. And then he was traded to Philadelphia and there were, uh, were players already there. Um, well, what's the common but, theme? What's the common theme with, you know, f- pretty much all of those situations? Um, when know. he is, when he is on the court, they are a winning team when he is not on the court or was not w- playing with the, with that team, they did not win. And it's they not even close, struggled. right? It's not even it's close. It's not even not close. Even. I mean, the winning uh, percentages so, are hundreds of points higher with him on the court. Yeah, so I'll throw this site out there for anyone that's uh, nerdy, interested. It's statmuse.com. It's an AI uh, stats generated. You you type in what you want to know, and it'll spit out based on what you type. So I went in, and I put in, give me the records for the Minnesota Timberwolves when Jimmy played and when he didn't play, and it spit out. When, when he played with Minnesota, they were um, – uh, 58% win when he wasn't playing, they were only a 45% win when he was in Philadelphia. He, uh, when he did play, they were at 64%. And when they were without, he was a 59%. So when he is playing, he, 
affects how that team does in a positive manner. And I think those organizations that he was previously on just probably wasn't ready for the work ethic that he brought. And yeah, he may have rubbed some people the wrong way, but you know, going to Miami, it's sort of like that breath of fresh air and it's working out the pieces that were already there. And like I said, their player development of bringing in these players, the, the, the last thing I'll say, and then I'll let you chime in is the way Miami has constructed this team. They, they, they Tyler hero is a shooter. So is Duncan Robinson for that matter. So you've got your shooter, you've got your Jimmy Butler, who's not afraid to take the shot, but also drive the lane. And then you've got a Bam Adebayo, who is your down low big man presence. They really have a nice uh, triangle effect of the players. They're not heavy on one side or the other. They're, they're really well balanced and that's really fit Butler. Well, yeah, these are all great points. Um, I just want to make one simpler one, honestly. And I think it's as easy as this, Scott. These other franchises, if you think about the coaches he was dealing with, and I'll put Tom Thibodeau mm. in a little mm-hmm. bit of a, a box because I think Tibbs is a great coach. And I think he, I think the work ethic you're talking about was probably in sync with Jimmy Butler at that point. Jimmy Butler just didn't want to be a Timberwolf. He got traded there kind of, <laughs> right. A, um, you know, it certainly wasn't his decision. Let's put it that way. When he when he had to leave Chicago, and uh, I think he was just a bad apple from day one there. But the other the other franchises, we know what happened with Brett Brown. I mean, in Philadelphia, he he can't inspire anybody right there. And the Chicago situation was a mess from day one with Jimmy Butler in terms of the coaching staff and really the front office. To be honest, the, the difference is now. The difference is how do you not walk into Miami and respect the hell out of Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley? You have to. You have to just bow down at their knees. You have to do it. You do. Spolster is a yep. first ballot Hall of Fame coach at this point. This solidified it. This finals run now solidified it. He's in. I mean, he's way into the Hall of Fame. And he's been doing things throughout this postseason that shows you why. He he beat a good Boston team by outcoaching a really good Brad Stevens. There's no question that happened. So I think that has humbled Jimmy Butler just enough to be able to say, hey, just kind of just kind of fall into place here. We, we know what we're doing here. We've done this before. You know, the Riley Spolster situation has worked over and over again, and you're the right fit for this. Just let us figure you out and we'll make it work. And they have. Yeah. That's why we're here. And that's a great point with with the coaching there. Um, Spolstra is locked up until through the 2024 or 25 season. So he with Jimmy being there, he knows he has a consistent head coach for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Whereas in these other places he's been in, there's always been well, Philly, you know, Chicago uh, are both looking for coaches. First of all, <laughs> right. And Minnesota, th- their coaching has been up and down. So he has a solid coach for the foreseeable future. And, you know, he, like I said, he has a player option in 2022. So he could opt in depending on where the cap is all the way out there. Yeah. Um, but long you know, and short, they've got a couple of years to try to get this thing done yeah. if they don't get it done this year. Um, you know, we know what we know about the Lakers. I think it's a foregone conclusion that the LeBron Anthony Davis situation is working. I don't know if it's got longevity, but I think we're going to find out because here's what I'll say about the long term with the Lakers, because honestly, the short term is kind of boring. At some point, if, if Anthony Davis, is he, is he going to opt in or extend? What's he going to do? <laughs> Let's start there. Just give me your gut uh, feeling. What's he going to do? Uh, it really depends on the cap. If the cap stays the same, um, 
Do you opt in and extend? No, I think he. I think he'll opt out if the cap stays the same because he'll be able to make a slightly more. So but wouldn't it be smarter out. to wait for that it to bounce back up and then extend? Uh, not if he wants to just sign a one year, you know, a one and one type thing where he can opt out like LeBron had done before. Okay, play that game. Good enough. That's that's probably what he's going to do. You're right. He, I'm sure LeBron's been in his ear. The, the point I'm trying to make here is, I think at some point over the next two seasons, I, I'm going to assume that next year's a pretty good season for LeBron still. But don't you think that Anthony Davis is going to have to take over this team, this Lakers at some team point. at some point? And we we I haven't do. we haven't yeah. seen that before, right? We obviously we've never seen LeBron be the B, and uh, you know to some degree he has done that this year with his scoring. You know he. He was the best passer in the in the game this year. You could arguably say he was a one B MVP in the entire league. So, you know he's he's altering his game. There's no question. But if this thing's going to stay together, we're going to have to watch Anthony Davis's Lakers versus LeBron and Anthony Davis's Lakers at some point, and we'll see how long that can last. But I, I view them as less of a dynasty just because of the age of these players. Well, age and if you look at their roster. A lot of them either yeah. have player options for next year or they're free agents next year. I would imagine so, that everybody opts in and they just kind of come back as who they are because I, I can you imagine the Lakers trying to rebuild this thing again? Again, just, they the, did so much a, damage this offseason. Well, with, with a cap that may stay the same or go lower exactly. wherever that may go. Um, yeah, in, I'm sure those conversations are being had and the the Lakers aren't going to want to have to go out and find eight new guys if they don't re-sign some of these guys. So, yeah, it may be... Well, we just need to figure out who signed with Clutch recently, and those will be the, the next Lakers, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But it may, it may be advantageous for the Lakers that, at themselves to just keep status quo moving forward and uh, shift if they need to on the fly like LeBron's teams have done in the past. Yeah, I know. Well, like, yeah, you're right. It could be a deadline you know, upheaval in terms of how that works. If they're not the same Lakers team as they are next February, we'll see. All right. That's enough NBA stuff. That's good stuff there. We will certainly be all over game one tonight, 9 PM start tough for those Eastern <laughs> Eastern zoners. Uh, what else we got here, Scott? What do you want to hit on? You want to hit some NASCAR? Yeah. So I, I, I thought of this idea at, at the end of the, the race on Sunday, you know, and, and it, it hits every Saturday, Sunday, these races happen and, you know, whoever's the winner or whoever they're interviewing, they, they think their sponsors, the, the car sponsor, who, yeah. whoever backs them and, and they do it in a, uh, such intertwined way of just throwing it as they speak. I just want to thank my M&M's car, you know, with <laughs> Kyle Busch there. But they do it in such a way that it's not a distraction by any means. It's just so natural. So it made me think, why do athletes not do this? Is there a rule that the league says they're not allowed to bring up sponsors that they have yeah. uh, backing them. Or if they do, why don't they do it with the league sponsors? You know, Coca-Cola and Xfinity and that stuff with the NASCAR. I mean, they're drinking Coca-Colas and that kind of stuff at the end to, to promote that stuff. Why aren't athletes in, you know, NBA or NFL or basketball or MLB, any of those? And then to answer your question, it, I think I do think 
many of the leagues have rules because there are I, league sponsors, there are was... team sponsors, there, then everybody has their own player sponsors. If you remember, remember Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl when he's after the game, he said he was going to go drink a Budweiser and everybody lost their freaking minds because they, they wanted to know if he was being paid by Budweiser to make that comment after the game. I, it's just not a thing in these big four. I know sports. it's not, it, it, but, but here, let me just jump in with this real quick because, and I hate to bring this up in this way because I'm, and I'm certainly not trying to be misogynistic about it, but why aren't us soccer players, women's us soccer players doing this stuff? I mean, they're certainly not paid what they should be paid and they bring in tons of ratings television wise. They're all sponsored. I mean, if you if you follow any of them on Instagram, things like that, they're all doing their 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 posts, their sponsored posts, things like that. Let's make a platform for this. Let's give them the the microphone to be able to say this kind of stuff and make some extra dollars to do it. You're right. There are definitely sports and and, and women's sports specifically where more money could be filtered in by doing this. And I don't think it would be, you know, gaudy or tacky because you're right. NASCAR has just made this a thing. Yeah, it's naturally flowing. And, you know, NBA and WNBA, they have those small T um, company logos that sponsor on their jerseys. They could easily say, oh, I want to thank Disney or whoever. I'm just laughing at thinking of like the uh, the the international soccer, like Messi getting on the microphone after a game and being like, you know, (laughs) and, you know, the the shirts are literally sponsored shirts. There's not even a logo. I mean, those teams don't even have a team logo anymore, basically. They are just, you know, Arsenal is just Emirates. That's all you ever think of when you think of Arsenal now. So, you know, that's maybe a, a bit extreme, but you can relate that to NASCAR, right? Uh, you're right. Kyle yeah. Busch's car is full of M&Ms. You can't think of Kyle well, Busch without thinking of M&Ms right now. Well, and when, when he's talking, he's got every single logo patch <laughs> on the top yeah. quarter of his uh, by his shoulders so that when he's in the camera view, every single sponsor that he has is in camera view. Yeah. And on top of it, I mean, they've got stickers on inside of the car. But the fact that they come out and like the first thing that they say is I, I just want to thank my monster energy car. You yeah. know, it's the first thing that they 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 do. It's always in the forefront of their mind. So it just made me. It, well, as you know, Scott, by tracking a lot of this numbers lately from a financial situation, they need it. I mean, it's how they, they build their cars every week. It's how, yep. how they pay their staff every week. I mean, it is how that, comp- that sport is run. It always has been. It's brilliant in a lot of ways. It has sustained them. You know, when NASCAR got back on, there's a, a lot of those sponsorships needed it. They needed the, the, the time. They needed their car paint to be out there. So, uh, well, and some of them are re- regional. So, exactly. you know, certain cars New are cars driven at certain race. points of the, yeah. certain points of the, because that track is in that region. So they have that sponsor. That's why I was saying like the NBA, they have those logos. So if they're home and they could say, oh, uh, thank you to whoever that sponsor was. I don't know if it would be annoying if it was every game. It probably would be. But it's just something, you know, with dealing with all the money that we do, if well. It, Let's split this conversation quickly because, you know, I, I just can't ever see it in the NBA guys making 50 million a year. No one's ever, no one's ever going to agree to say that. You know what I mean? They, they're making their money without even basically trying. So but these smaller sports and oh, by the way, the college likeness situation now where college athletes cannot go out there and make money off of their brand. We're going to start seeing this all over the place. We're going to start seeing college baseball players talking about, you know, Under Armour and East Bay, you know, all these companies that are affiliated with these with the with the gear and and the branding and the the nutrition and all that. So I I do think this is going to become a thing, especially at that level. And I hope it it trickles into women's sports as well, because certainly they're undercompensated. There's no question. And this seems like a no brainer. 
for, for those kind of smaller, you know, smaller revenue sports. You're right. NASCAR has totally championed this. They own it. And it's no one even thinks about it anymore. But when Peyton Manning haphazardly, you know, holds a beer up after a game, we lose our freaking minds on Twitter. So you're right. There's a there's a complete division with sponsorships in major sports versus sponsorships in, you know, secondary sports, I guess is what, how we I would call it. It's a great point because you're right. Uh, it's never really talked about anymore. It's just become such a thing and such a habit. And I think the college likeness situation is really interesting because we're going to start to see it a lot, a lot. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Maybe not on the, the broadcast. I, it'll be interesting to see if they allow it on the broadcast, but you know, certainly social media and things like that, it's going to be all over, but you're right. The broadcast part of it is the important part of it. That That's where NASCAR makes their money is those post post race interviews, victory lane, things like that. And uh, we'll start to see if colleges allow for that. Well, and that likeness is interesting because how regional it is. You know, they may be some uh, a mom and pop like we've talked in the past with the NCAA. Right. You know, they may they may be backed by some mom and pop uh, you know, restaurant. And if they throw that name out there, then that is potential, you know, revenue towards that uh, that business. Sure. And uh, so it. It'll be interesting to see if we start seeing more of this, especially with the loss revenue that has already happened this year. Uh, we're going to see some out-of-the-box kind of thinkings, especially with these sponsorships, I think. No question. No question. Good point. What else you got for us? You want to just make some baseball picks here? What do you think? Actually, actually, I have something that isn't on our document here that I just want to get your take because it was something I ran across this week when I was trying to update some some stuff. Um, I, I've been slowly updating um, NWSL on the site. Women's soccer. Alex, uh, women's soccer. And Alex Morgan, she signed overseas. And I noticed that one of her stipulations in her contract is – she gets a percentage of jersey sales from Totten. Mm -hmm. So have you seen anything or do you think that we will start seeing more of these athletes, maybe not the higher caliber athletes, but maybe the mid to throw in their contract to get a percentage of their jersey sales from the team? Or I think it league? goes exactly into the conversation we just had. It's all about the likeness. It's all about how, how can I personally gain? And, and you know, that sounds selfish, but... Uh, all the, the the sports and the athletes we're talking about, they're well deserving of this. I mean, especially at the college level, the college football has been selling jerseys on players for forever. You may, can you imagine how many Tim Tebow jerseys were sold at the university, <laughs> you know, at Florida? I, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, they're probably still being sold for Christ's sake. So the, I, I, I it's long time coming to, to hear about a player like her, who I know has been fighting for this, this pay gap for a long, long time now. And the fact that she had to leave America again, I mean, had to leave American U.S. soccer to go and do this. It's 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 a bad look. I mean, you know how it's being structured right now. She's paid X dollars to be part of the U.S. soccer team and a very, very small portion to play NWSL soccer here. So my guess is Tottenham just basically came in and blew her away with a contract. And this likeness well, was a big I, part of it. Well, from what I read, it. it, it She's not making as much as she had previously when she went over with Lion. Mm -hmm. um, more of this is the jersey sales, and she's using this more to get in shape with the NWSL being in their fall series. So she, th this is the contract ends where she'll be back in January. Um, 
Yeah, but I think, so, it, I think it's a lot like the WNBA players who for many of them still go yeah, overseas on the offseason. They play 12 yeah. months, 12 month schedules just to be able to, you know, make make a good, good dollar. Also stay in shape, of course. But, uh, you know, the American side of it just doesn't have enough. They don't have a, a big enough season and a big enough revenue pool to be able to control these players for 12 months. You know, no, I, I completely agree. I just I brought it up because I, I didn't know if you've heard in contracts that you put in or seen if there is that hard line that says I get X percentage of jersey sales sure. because I mean it, it's interesting especially like you said with NCAA how how we're going down that likeness path or you know even some of these players that are you know these veteran players that have been around forever but they're signing these minimum minimum veteran deals. You know, can they get a percentage of their jersey sales to offset that minimum salary? I, I don't know. So something I would thought it was interesting. Sounds good. All right, let's make some baseball picks and get out of here. All right. We've got a couple of sets of odds here. We kind of bounced around the Internet to, to figure it out. Obviously, we've had a day already, so we're a bit jaded having seen yesterday's games and, and some of the outcomes. But, you know, I don't think any of us are really going too far down the list here with our picks. I uh you know, you, you want to kind of just give us a couple of teams in the American League and then in the National League, and then uh, you know I'll, I'll bounce back on that. Yeah, so I'm going to go Tampa versus Oakland, and I think San Diego versus Atlanta. Okay. And then I, and then I'm going to go. You're taking the Dodgers out of it. I am. I think something happens, and and yes, I am. Okay. I'm going to go against the trend. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, generally speaking, over the past 10 seasons, we've had four one seeds win the World Series. Okay. So it's about a 40% chance yeah. if you take a number one seed, you're going to you're gonna win out. So I'm a bad better, but no, anyways. No, no, I'm just <laughs> saying it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good bet to go chalk I, in baseball. I, yeah, you're probably right. But with this being an expanded series uh, postseason, I think anything can potentially happen, especially with when do you have your pitchers pitch and, and no days off. I think there's more mm -hmm. randomness like NHL has that baseball may see this season. Uh, so I, I'm actually going all California World Series still with Oakland and San Diego. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you're picking some young money ball teams there for the most part. I mean, I San am. Diego's got a couple of players for sure in the Machado contract, but all right. I like that. That'd be fun to watch for sure, especially from the West Coast standpoint. I'm uh, I'm going to go a little bit more chalked and I'm, I'm actually not going to even care about what happened yesterday. I know the Yankees blew the Indians out of the water. I'm taking the Yankees out of this conversation. I don't think they're deep enough right now and I don't think past Garrett Cole they have a bona fide starter that's going to, you know, I'm, I don't I don't think the Indians probably push past them. It's probably a Yankees round two series, but I'm going Dodgers for sure. I think the Dodgers are one of the most complete teams we have seen no matter how long the season was. <laughs> I think I think that is a phenomenal team. They may have even took a couple of weeks off and uh, kind of used the rotational system on that on that roster just to make sure everybody stayed fresh and stayed safe and healthy. I think they are raring to go and they are going to have quite a little run here. So they're easily my team out of the national league and boy, I'm really torn on this American league. I do. You know what? I don't necessarily want to go super chalk, but I do like Tampa. I just think Tampa has too many injuries coming into this postseason to really make it through all the way, even though they're phenomenally coached. I'm and I, I can't pick the twins. You want to know why I can't pick the twins, Scott? 
because they've lost 17 straight postseason games. I heard that. 17. That's crazy. How do you bet on yeah. that team? How, how are they? How are they the fourth best favorite right now? I mean, what are we doing here? Stay away. That they are they are postseason cursed. I, I'm going to do this, and <laughs> I, I'm going to put Dodgers Astros in this World Series. Oh, wow. I know Verlander's out, but I, I guess I'm rooting for this more than I would waste my money on it because just the the opportunity for the Dodgers to have revenge on this Astros team mm. in the World Series. And is it, it's in Texas, right? It's not in Dodger Stadium. I, yeah, I think I it's in Arlington, it's in Texas. right? So yeah, I do too. In, their, in kind of their neck of the woods, right? In, in, in Houston's neck of the woods. I'm going to pick Dodgers over the Astros. Okay. World Series. Have a little I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Oakland over San Diego. Okay. So I'll go Oakland. Oakland wins it. Athletics. Oh, my goodness. All right. Sounds good. My thanks to Scott Allen. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off. Really great to have their relationship and their partnership. We're going to expand that coming in the next couple of months here. Even more athletic information on spot track and vice versa, by the way. My thanks to Hip Parade. Get yourself a Mr. Memorabilia box. Visit dacardworld.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 